listening to an exclusive on PodHub Network. Your city, your podcast. To the delight of this crowd, McClendon marches down the dugout steps with first base. McCutcheon's throw. The runner breaks to the plate. Here's the throw. You are listening to the North Shore 9 Podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go, Bucks! Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to WNS9 Plus. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With me, we got Tyler. We got Jim. We got our special guest, Mike Persak from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. What's up, everyone? Welcome, Mike. How you doing? Living the dream. How are you guys? Living the dream. I'm cold. <laughs> it's freaking cold out. <laughs> it's really cold today. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Wait, Jim, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is an information you want out there. But, Jim, are you in Pittsburgh? I'm not. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. I, yeah. I realized I realized halfway through that that uh, question I might be doxing you. I didn't want to do that, but <laughs> oh, you're good, you're good. <laughs> my full name's on Twitter, so yeah, yeah, yeah true, true, true. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It's cold everywhere. Yeah, it really is. I'm freezing. Like, and I'm dead serious. Yeah, I am. Up, I was. It's I'm like forty freezing. degrees there, probably. Exactly. That's what it I'm was talking negative about. Negative four when I got in my car this morning. Well, you're 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 a dummy living up there still. You're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, though, imagine being in like Michigan or something. That state's awful. You're not Whoa. lying about that. <laughs> Scoreboard, Tyler. <laughs> just, let's just go back over my lifetime or in. <laughs> <lifetime. laughs> Wait, we'll take one. We'll take one. Oh, was that, got, I think we lost Jim. Got like, there we go. I'm back. You got three in my lifetime, I think. Something like that. I think I, I, yeah, I'm not sure how many I have in my lifetime. All I can remember is 2011 and this one. So we'll take it. 2011 didn't count. That was I mean, Luke Fickle. Sure. Yeah. Which is why, which is what made this one like better. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you about like like series dominance, but I'll take I'll take the one. That's my point. I just I don't count 2011 as a year. That's fine. The Buckeyes. We still we still Joe. almost lost that game, which gets lost, and we still almost lost that game. That was Braxton. Legend. They Sorry. have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, I do. I think yeah. in general they do. Yeah. Yeah. I was say I really don't, but this also kind of sums up the MLB yeah. offseason. Like right away, we're talking about Bucko, the Buckeyes, not the Buckos, the Buckeyes, right? We're talking about Michigan football. Yeah. Go baseball. And they lost they lost their defense coordinator today. Michigan did, yeah. Okay, talk about baseball. Talks for them. <laughs> so, anyways. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, yeah, we, we got Mike on the show. Figured we'll talk a little about baseball. We have some actual, I guess, news you can say. Something in the baseball world. I mean, with MLB and MLB, MLB and MLBPA have finally come together, making some moves. Hopefully, the season's coming quickly. Uh, we have the, the Hall of Fame voting. Barry Bonds not in. <coughs> Dave Ortiz is. 
maybe we'll talk some pirates prospects, right? But uh, that's why we got Mike on. We got the the expert here. He's the all knowing of Pittsburgh Pirates MLB. We brought him on the show to get these insights. Um, which, by the way, Mike, you're covering basketball, so perfect. Yeah, yeah. I actually had to step out of a game the other night because Rob Manfred called me to talk about uh, you know all all of the stuff. So, so yeah, I am the I'm the closest insider. Whoever <laughs> else you follow, on, whoever else you follow on Twitter that calls themselves an insider, I'm following. Follow me. Call you. Tell us. Any, then he called tell us your Hassan handle right after you. Yeah. The handle? Oh, that's at Mike D. Persack. Come on. There you go. You got to follow Persack. How long do you get a Hall of Fame vote? Uh, eight years. So I may never get it. <laughs> Which is all like, okay, I know we don't want to get into this. Like, I'm sure we'll get into this more yeah, later. Let's get, like, yeah, we can get into it. Yeah. That I mean, that's also part of it is like, like in general, the Hall of Fame vote is like a bunch of older journalists. Like that's why half of them aren't revealed on Twitter because half of them aren't on Twitter. <laughs> and and uh, you know when they age out, like I wonder if there will be enough like young baseball writers who are like still hanging around <laughs> to get their vote. When Mike was in college, yeah. thinking about his promising journalistic career because he knew that was a growing industry, he couldn't wait to get that vote. Yeah. I mean, I'll take, I, I had the NL Cy Young vote this year. Like I'll take that. That's uh, I'm fine with that. Ooh, which that was, I mean, that was kind of controversial, you know? I know. So, yeah. Like, like early in the, the year, I was like, race. when, when they first asked me, I was like, thank God, like that's an easy one. I'll just load to Grom. Yeah. And then he got hurt. Uh, and so down the stretch, I was really sweating it, but I ended up going with Wheeler. So oh, thank God. Thank God. All right. You made the correct choice. Thanks. You're welcome. I'm really, I'm really smart. Really. <laughs> I don't really know. I, I'm not, I'm not pro anybody really with that. With that. No, I, I got it both ways. I, like, yeah. Like, uh, you know, you can convince me that, that Burns deserved it more, but whatever. You could convince me. And I'd even, I'd even entertain Scherzer. Like any yeah. three of those, like I would have been completely fine with winning that award yeah and like honestly walker <laughs> had a shout too and you know not to go on a complete tangent but like <laughs> the biggest problem that i had with it was that i i wanted to vote wheeler or a wheeler number one but by the criteria that i set for like okay volume matters well then uh walker bueller had like the next like he was the other volume guy mm-hmm Whereas Scherzer and, and Corbin Burns were like the, you know, whatever stats rate based, whatever. Um, and so like, it was weird to split them up, but in the end it was like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like not, not, re- not really like who cares, but it's like, if you split them up, no one's going to be like, well, you know, you, you split them up. Like, you know, at that point it, it is what it is. Like once you get the first two, then you're good. Hmm. I agree. No, I get it. Not not the like who cares as some of the Pittsburgh media who have MLB Hall of Fame voting, but a who cares in a different element. No comment. <laughs> I think I think everybody cares. It's just I disagree with some of their their uh, their viewpoints on the matter. Definitely. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anybody doesn't care. I think they all care. I just disagree with some of them. Yeah. It's called well, I mean, stupid. Let's get into the Hall of Fame voting. So obviously, as we know, David Ortiz gets in. 
first time on the ballot. Um, we talked, you know, Jim talked about controversy as far as the, the uh, Cy Young Award. I mean, I guess you could definitely say there's some controversy over David Ortiz making it first time Hall of Famer or first time on the ballot. And people like Clemens and Bonds don't get in their last time on the ballot. So I don't know, Mike, maybe you can give some insight, you know, in eight years, if this was eight years from now, right. And you had this vote, maybe you could talk to us. What's your thoughts on no bonds, no Clemens, but David Ortiz in. So, I mean, like it's, you know, I'm on the side that bonds and Clemens should get in, but, but, and it's because like, you can't, you can't like really start to split hairs. Like I think, I think it was actually Bamani Jones who was saying this about shilling actually with like the character clause. Like you can't really start to judge any of this unless it's like directly on the field or whatever. But there's so many mitigating factors with, with the steroid stuff where it was like borderline encouraged during that era era. And so it's like, I don't know. You just start pulling on like, you know, a thread and next thing you know, like the whole, you know, sweater comes undone or whatever. Like it, it's, 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 it's really strange to like start to parse. But in my opinion, like both Clemens and Bond should get in because the on-field stuff was so dominant and the steroid era was so strange where, you know, most all the best players were doing it. So, you know, I don't know. Like it, it, I, I understand why people voted the other way, but, like, I, I don't agree with it at all. My biggest annoyance with the whole thing is it's the same voters that were voting Barry Bonds for MVP every year. And you can't tell me they had no idea it was using steroids then. Everyone knew. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, and it's also like the best point that anyone brings up is, is Bud Selig's in. And like, it's not, you know, like, and I know that it's, it's almost played out at this point that everyone keeps saying that, but, but it's true. Like yeah. Bud Selig's in the hall of fame and, and like, it's pretty clear that he didn't care about steroids or like at least knew about it and was like brushing it under the rug until he absolutely couldn't anymore. And then it's like, you know, but this guy's still a hall of famer. So how can you, you know, how can you really punish the guys who played under those rules or whatever? I mean, I got into it a little bit on Twitter with someone who has a Hall of Fame vote this year who didn't vote for for those guys. Um, and, and I mean, to bring up the Selig thing, you know, I, that was something that I brought up, right? Bud Selig is in the Hall of Fame. Clearly, like, why why is it that Bonds, Clemens, Mann, and we can go up and down the list, Manny, A-Rod, all these guys are being held accountable for what they did, but Bud Selig gets rewarded for overseeing yeah, David Ortiz thing and just letting it all happen. Right. And you could argue the David Ortiz thing. I mean, if you really want to look into it, you could say that the David Ortiz thing is maybe a little bit different than the other ones, but at the end of the day, the writers didn't vote Selig in. So I guess that may be one thing. Like, I don't yeah. know if the writers would have voted Selig in. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that's another, that's another thing to debate. Um, so it's just I, I I don't I get what they're where they're coming from. The the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame has that character clause. 
what's crazy, I mean, it's, it's subjective, right? So it's up to the individual, <laughs> how they want to, how they want to interpret that. What, I, what I'm really curious on now is, is like you mentioned, like, when do you stop now? Right. So you've just decided what Barry Bonds did and what Roger Clemens did is not, they're, they're not, they're ineligible for the hall of fame based on those criteria. So now in a few years, when we get to see, Justin Verlander and we get to see Carlos Beltran and we get to see, you know, Altuve down the road. Are those people now ineligible because they cheated? You know, Verlander, you can say that there was something, something funny happened to the spin rate, right? Something he's doing something to the balls. He even like admitted it. Um, he's there's, there's text messages that say he did it. Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole now ineligible for the Hall of Fame because he used sticky stuff or all these pitchers who've used sticky stuff are they all ineligible because they all cheated so like yeah like how far do you go on this because baseball is just a game where throughout its history people always did something to have some sort of an edge um, and there are people in the Hall of Fame who did things to get that edge if we want to just stick locally with the Pirates Willie Stargell was was named in a federal trial for using amphetamines during, during the season and passing it out to teammates. Right. So, and he's a hall of famer and he's beloved by everybody in the city, but he also cheated. Like, so, yeah. so like, you know, when, when do we stop? Like, I, do you just, is, is everybody out now? Because for the most part, there's been a lot of people, especially pitchers now who you can say, Nope, they all cheated. They can't be in. I think yeah, they, I think they kind of had something going where they were drawing the line at steroids and all other cheating they were just letting in. But now we're kind of like in this gray area where, well, like Mike Piazza, he's like a 50th round pick. He has back knee all over. You're telling me he didn't use roids. Jeff Bagwell is like a 30, 30th round pick. He just bulks up. He's in the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz did use steroids. So now we're just in this weird gray area where they they're just deciding as it goes right and and so like i don't even know what the like is the answer just to take out the character clause like altogether or is the answer to like more clearly define it like i'm not even sure mm -hmm. but in general like it's it's kind of unfair to like you know i don't know like i don't agree with with you know multiple ballots that were sent in um but like at the same time, is it really fair to ask these people, like, judge the character clause? Like, what a strange, like, you know, wrench to throw in there. Yeah. And then the second thing, you know, the other side of it, too, is that people are now like, oh, well, like, you know, the, what is it, like, today's game or whatever committee that, that can now vote on them. Like, how do we know that, that you know, some of the 16 members of that committee aren't also, are, you know, aren't going to be like old time baseball players that are like, Oh no, steroids disgrace the game or whatever. Like no, no one knows. And, and, and the only reason I bring that up is to say that like, I'm not sure what the sample size is that you could like pull to be like, you know, to get a, a, a the 75% of people that like are okay with steroid use or like, you know, mm -hmm. recognize that it's more nuanced since it being just okay or not okay with it. Like, you know, I don't know. Like you could, it could, if you brought it to broadcasters instead or, or ex players or whatever, like, I'm sure that it would be a similar issue. Um, but at the moment it's just like, you know, baseball writers and like old crotchety guys going on, like to write 
a column about like how Barry Bonds disgraced the game or whatever, everyone could dunk on him on Twitter. And then it's like, all right, well, this is the problem, but I'm not sure that that problem is so easily fixed, you know, in general. Problem with that player's selection is that's how Harold Baines gets in because he played with (laughs) on the right committee. And also with the character clause, like we're asking these guys to put people in based upon their character so that they can go into a museum with Ty Cobb in it. Right. But, and, and like the other other thing about it too, is like, it's like, all right, like there's a character clause and that's it. That's the only guidance. It's like, like, do with that what you will. Like, you know, uh, uh, there's no definition on like anything having to do with steroids or, or anything having to do outside of baseball, it's just like, uh, hey, just make sure that you judge their character as well. And it's like, oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> and yeah. what I think is funny is like we've really kept it because the similarities, of course, like why Ortiz is in because he technically kind of had this test where he failed. It was leaked out. But in the same sense, maybe it wasn't, right? There's this error. But at the same sense, that, that was more than Bonds ever had. Technically speaking, right? I mean, Bonds yeah. never failed a test. Like, truly, you're going or Clemens, off of right, right? Yeah. Like, Clem- like Clemens never, Clemens never tested anything. He was just named in the Mitchell report, and like, maybe that means that he did it, or maybe it means that he doesn't. But like, now he's wrapped up in this too, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, mm-hmm. he, you know, he opened his mouth where Bonds really never really did. <laughs> so, right. right. Yeah, that yeah, probably yeah. puts more of a stain yeah. on him again, character and personality or whatever. And I kind of get that and understand that to a degree, but it's like, you're kind of going off of hearsay to a degree. And I think we all kind of know, I mean, did they do it? I'm sure they did, you know, but there's nothing proven. You're going off of what we all think that happened or what Jose Canseco is telling you that happened. So, and this is the guy that, you know, meets with aliens every week. So that's where we're going and basing our judgment on right with this character clause but like so part of it is that the other part of it is just like you said too mike these are guys that i mean you're thinking about what 80 percent of baseball was doing this well no, that's a really to good me point we're basing <laughs> we're basing the character clause off what jose canseco says in a book <laughs> the, the the guy who goes to barstool sports boxing tournaments and loses at like 65 years old <laughs> <laughs> right if you were named in jose canseco's book you are not allowed in <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's basically it <laughs> but like there's part of that is the problem right but then like this other part of it is um no i lost my train of thought tyler my bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. You gave you gave the first good point in North Shore Nine's history, and I need to give you credit. Oh, oh, the eighty percent. Yeah. Like, so, like, right. I mean, we kind of if we're speculating all this too, right? Through our speculations, what we're hearing in reports and other players. I mean, it was like widespread. Like, pretty much everyone was taking steroids. So, if that was the case, then doesn't that pretty much equate that it was an equal playing field? So if, if right. like you're looking at Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and like these were two of the best players you've ever seen before like any steroid implications. And then they took right. steroids, which is what everyone else was doing as well. Then they were still equal, right? Right. And if you pull, if you pull like the people who played with Barry Bonds, like I'm sure that they would tell you like, no, 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 this guy was like really, really good. Like, 
you know, no, no joke, no steroids aside yeah. or like, or, or with the knowledge that everyone was doing steroids, like they would tell you like, no, no, no. Like, yeah, I was the guy on the mound when we had the bases loaded and we walked him intentionally. And I was a okay with that. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like mm-hmm. all of those things still stand because the era is all tainted. So like, what are you going to do? You know, like, uh, where do you draw the line? And, and what's also interesting that's like only slightly being talked about here is like, you know, a rod got like what 35%. And, and I get that it's, it's different for every guy. Sammy Sosa wasn't close. Like, you know, it's such a strange line to draw to where it's like, okay, Barry Bonds might be the best baseball player ever. And so I get like why he's getting a higher percentage than other people, but it's like, you know, at the same time, like if you're going to say like that, that being the best baseball player of all time is okay. It, you know, even if he did steroids, however, being the like 25th best hitter of all time in Sammy yeah. Sosa and doing steroids, not okay. Like we're not voting that, <laughs> like, you know, you know what I'm saying? And I, you know, arbitrary numbers, yeah. I, you know, I don't have an official ranking, but you understand what I'm saying. Like it, it's just, it's such a, it's all just so arbitrary that like, what are you going to do? I think some of that comes from Sammy Sosa with a scrub without steroids. That is well, true. That's, that's the thing with Sosa. Like I know, like, I filled out my fake Hall of Fame ballot, and you know you, you are can, a you, loser. You can have ten people on there. <laughs> oh, we do that. You can have ten people on there, and I only put nine. I did not put Sosa on the list, um, and the reason it's like like you just said, Tyler. Like he he was really good for a few years stretch where he obviously did steroids, but he had too many years where he just wasn't really good. Um, so the steroid, like he, he was one of those people where he clearly became a really good hitter because of steroids. Whereas these other guys like Bonds and Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz and A-Rod, they were good hitters, whether or not they were using steroids or not. Right. I mean, they were, those are, those are four of the, the most elite hitters, you know, of the past of all time, not only just the last few decades, but. No, the A-Rod thing, yeah, it is a little weird because A-Rod only got 35%. So, like, what is it that makes Barry Bonds get in, but A-Rod doesn't, I guess, too? I guess A-Rod actually got suspended a couple of times. Yeah, but, and um, people people, people were also drawing the line at, like, uh, you know, in 2003, they started cracking down and A-Rod was still doing it afterwards. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, if you grew up in that era and you had a lot of success on steroids and then it was, like, well, if you do this, you won't get caught or whatever. Like you can, that's, that's an easy rabbit hole to fall down. So like, yeah, I don't know. It's, but, but anyways, like all of this is just to say, like what we were saying earlier, that the character clause is just so vague that it's, it's kind of unfair to be like, Hey, you know, like judge this guy on whatever you think the character clause might mean. Like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm somebody where I just, I, I would just throw the character clause out the door, out the window. Like I even had shilling on my list. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but like I mean, yeah, he's a, a obviously a really, by all accounts, seems like a terrible person. But he was a really good pitcher, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because he was really good at what he did. Um, right. So, you know, there, there, like I said, there's there are people who are just as bad as Kurt Schilling in the Hall of Fame, and uh, yeah, I I, I would have put him in. I would argue much worse. I would have put all those people. Yeah, and there's a whole lot worse, but I mean, he's up there. You well, must not be a you must not be a Rhode Islander, Tyler. 
So like he hasn't killed anybody, at least to my knowledge, directly. <laughs> True. And and uh, you know, I don't know. I guess we maybe don't want to go down this road, but like yeah. The like uh, you know, the Omar Vizquel stuff too. Like there's something to be mm. said about like how that all went. And so like, you know, maybe it's not even as black and white as like, oh, you need to take it out. You know, I, I don't know. It's it's just such a strange like situation. But in general, like I think it's uh, you know I think it's unfair to to ask people to like just judge character and leave it at that. Yeah, and I'm glad Jim brought Sam. up um, the chilling because yeah. and again, you know, I, I brought this up and started this by comparing you know comparing with Ortiz and Bonds and Clemens because there's that that tie right. But there's another person who was obviously left off with Schilling, right? And it's what I. What I find so just odd about this whole situation, right, is you find a lot of writers make it a point, an effort to say, because for the most part, a lot of fans say, oh, these old writers, like, you know, Bonds was mean to him, so they don't want to vote him in. It's like, no, guys, it's nothing about that. It's nothing to do with this. It's because of the steroids. It's because of steroids. It's not because how we were treated. But then those same people talking out the other side of their mouth, don't vote in shilling who I think just like you're saying, like this guy, like you look at his resume, how do you look at it and see what he's done and think to yourself, this isn't a hall of famer, but yet you're going to use again, some character clause, which isn't on field stuff like bonds and, you know, Clemens was on field performance. Like it hindered on the field, right between the lines Schilling just whatever. He's a nutcase right off the field per se, but like it wasn't anything on the baseball field. Like he didn't cheat. He didn't do anything there. So so how do we talk out of both sides of our mouths as well? Like that, that's what like bothers me here with this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just kind of agree with you. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, like, and it's weird because like, I don't know. I've never in my life been in, uh, inspired to go to bat for Kurt Schilling. Like <laughs> I, I don't particularly want to, uh, but like, it's true. Like, I don't know. Like the, the point is not to, I don't know, read their tweets seven years after the fact and say, oh, like, this guy sucks. Not going to vote for him. But that's how subjective it's it's become, where it's, you know, it, it like, the point is almost not even baseball anymore. <laughs> it's just annoying. Right. And, and so, by like, the, the way, brings... by the way, it's, it's also, like, equally annoying to, like, have to do this every year, right? Like, and it's, it's yeah. not going to stop. And, and, you know, I'm not saying like this, specific, like I enjoy talking about it with you guys. That's not what I'm saying, but right. it's like, you know, on Twitter every year, like it's just setting up for like people get their hopes up that this guy's going to get in like on his 10th year. Like, Hey, he's not. And it sucks. But like, what are we going to do about it, man? Like it, unless the hall of fame changes their criteria, like this is what it is. So I don't know. It, it's, it just, it just, it, it all just sucks. Like it sucks that it's gotten to this point. Yeah. It's a good way to good way to recap it. Well, now that we're all pissed off, <laughs> let's let's talk about the CBA. <laughs> let's talk about the yeah. That's definitely going to be a fun topic. <laughs> well, honestly, uh, you know, Mike, again, the, the expert, right? You got you got C. You had Zelig on on your line as well. Now you got Manfred on your line. You know, we know you're you're in with all of them. Um, but yeah, so. Tell us a little bit, like, this two sides finally met, right, in person, two days in a row. Crazy, crazy stuff, right? No one walked out after, like, five minutes and said, we're not talking to you ever again. 
Um, so like, I kind of feel, I was, I think a little bit optimistic into this off season that even though the sides are very far apart, like baseball will come together and we won't miss games. I feel be a, a, a struggle, but I really felt like we're not going to miss any games. Um, are we close? Like, how are you going to break down just right now, just in general, do you think we're close to having baseball back? It close, closer. I don't know. Like it, it's weird because all this stuff could just like break in a second, right? Where it's not in a second, but like over a couple meetings, you figure they can hash some of this stuff out because like literally in the last two days, they had two meetings and a few like different pillars fell. Right. Um, and, and not, you know, maybe not the largest ones in front of them, but, but like, it's clearly getting closer. And so I don't know, it, it, it's, it's weird to figure, but I will say that like, I think the timeline is different than what some people want you or not want you, but like are leading people to think it is like, you know, if they missed when pitchers and catchers were supposed to report, that doesn't mean that the season's delayed really. Like that they still have some leeway. They can just have a shortened spring training and like figure it out. Like, um, and I'm not sure exactly if that's what they're going to do or want to do, but like there, there's still some time. And I think we did see this week, if nothing else that like, progress can be made pretty quickly i will say and like i don't know if this is the right place to say it but what drives me insane and i i'm sure that it's driven like fans insane too is like the people who are in uh who are like they're meeting today and everyone's like wow crazy let's go and then the meeting ends and they're like there's no deal struck and there never was expected to be one and it's like well, why didn't you say that beforehand like, <laughs> like no one knows that like why wouldn't you tell us that before mike in regard to the shortened spring training have you talked to anybody around baseball that's concerned about pitchers with having the already a shortened season 2 years ago then ramping back up then possibly having a shortened spring training is there any concern around right now that you've heard it seems like pitchers are trying to stay ready as much as they can like knowing that that that's a possibility like maybe not yet but but at some point like they'll start to you know similar to during covid covid um years like it seems like pitchers are are trying to start to um find places just in case like because you never know, like you don't know when the season's going to like just suddenly restart or like, Hey, we're going back and you want to be ready for that. So, um, you know, I think that on the bright side, like some of these players have contingency plans anyways, where like places they worked out near home during COVID or whatever, where they like, know they can go throw, you know, 40 pitches or whatever. Um, I mean, you've, you've seen it like, even with, with like normal off season workouts, like Mitch Keller's, all over like everyone you know he's throwing 99 <laughs> did you guys hear right. uh so like you know those those guys have places to throw so I, but from what i've heard like that's kind of what they're keeping their eye on what what sort of workload they have to do but it is weird because like uh they can't talk to the team so they don't know exactly like a workout plan or anything like that so i don't know go from throwing 60 innings to 180 back to like maybe 100 and then I guess is the plan still – I mean, this is really only affecting 40-man roster players. Oh, yeah. So come February 16th, do all the minor leaguers report just as yep. normal? Yep. So that's, that's good to know. I mean, at least the guys who – the guys who you really we – re, we really care about because let's be honest here, the major league team 
we don't really care about all that much because it doesn't seem like Ben Charrington cares all that much about it. So the, the people who we care um, are, aren't really going to be really miss a beat. Was this was this a big brain Ben Charrington play? Where like <laughs> if you if you uh, if if you rebuild at this point, then and don't have any quality major leaguers, then when there's a lockout, you can you know. You can yeah, still progress more than more. You know, the Yankees don't have, you know, they don't have any good minor leaguers. So. I would argue no, because he acquired 150 40 man roster required <laughs> players. That's true. <laughs> Everybody he acquired, he had to add to the 40 man. Yeah. He was probably hoping this would happen last year. That, that actually is a good question, though. Like, if, like, guys who are, uh, you know, Rule 5 eligible, are they allowed to re- report to minor league spring training until, like, for the pirates and then the, you know, whatever it, it, the, the lockout ends and suddenly they have a rule five draft. And now Mason Martin is going to the Los Angeles angels. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, Maybe we you, should ask the almost, pirates beat writers. You don't post <laughs> like if, if you are, I don't the know. Pirates, I, haven't, I haven't thought of that until this second. I'm sorry. Like if you are Weird. the pirates, do you almost like, cause I would imagine, I mean, yeah, they would still go. They're still in the organization. They're just not on the 40 man. Right. So, but as like, let's say if you're playing spring training games with no 40 man roster players, do you like hide Mason Martin? So like, you're like, let, let's just not Ooh. even play Mason Martin so that no one can even see him. You know, do you, I don't know. That's a strategy. You make him hit right-handed and play shortstop. <laughs> be like Mason, you're playing shortstop today. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're like, showcasing these players for other teams now yeah so like to do cal mitchell and mason martin just get like no playing time (laughs) i haven't thought of tyler was like we should ask the beat writer i haven't thought about this till this second sorry because i mean i would imagine even i mean there's a spring training schedule so like even if we're still locked out at that point those games are still going to be played Mm-hmm. You'd think so. Wait. Yeah. Why not? Oh, right, right, right. Gotcha. You've got the get Mackie on the show so we can get it. some real answers. <laughs> Is, do, do they? Do they? Do they let Shelby manage the like AAA like roster in the spring yeah, training game against the Orioles? Yeah. Or do they get Miguel Perez in there? That's the real question. You've got Shelton managing all the scabs. Do we get to a point where we just get scabs? I think that'd be fun. The Pirates would be the best team. I don't think we get to that point, but I do think like just a just like a fun idea. And I don't know if this is even possible to do, but like if there is no Major League Baseball, could you basically just play minor league games at your home stadium? Like, if you're the Pirates, could you just be like, hey, Altoona, sorry, you're playing at PNC Park this year? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it would really make the owners of the actual Altoona Curve franchise really upset <laughs> that they Definitely. don't have any home games. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, they probably have to get, like, royalties paid to them and stuff like that. But, I mean, if you're the, if you're the Pirates and you've got the Altoona Curve playing baseball games an hour and a half, two hours down the street, be like hey come here have some fans come into our building we'll sell tickets 
Well, so, they can have they can have the world they can have the World Series like TV money when Nick Gonzalez wins MVP. Right. Yeah. Like Although that. he might win he might win MVP by the end of this year in MLB too. So even if there is a normal season, are you playing the show? Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> he'll he'll be there. <laughs> Leonardo, I thought you said we were having Mike Purse sack, not Cody Duncan. <laughs> anyway so yeah so obviously like my next question i guess to you is what have you been hearing about the two sides you know what are they agreeing on what are they not agreeing on maybe what's holding up the cba still from happening Uh, yeah i mean it, it pretty much seems like it's still like the the um the general like semantics of of uh, paying guys sooner. Um, at least like that seems like a major part of it is, is the MLBPA wants guys to get paid a lot more when they're, when they're younger. Um, and part of that was, was originally shorting or, um, shortening, uh, free agency, like taking it down from having to have six, six years of service time. Um, and they've since have backed off on that, but, but have still wanted more from, um, you know, from pre-arbitration deals, like I, with the minimum salary, they wanted that to raise. And, and then um, the other side of it too was revenue sharing. Like there's still a huge gap there where the players want less revenue sharing and, and the owners don't want to move at all. Um, and there, there's a couple other things, but, but like the, the part of it that is like, I don't know, sort of encouraging is that both sides seem to be backing down from certain pillars. So, I, you know, it's like I said earlier, like it seems like it's getting closer, but still like not quite there. And the people who are in the know are like, <clears throat> like really in the know, sorry, are like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's still far away and it's not going to happen in one meeting, but they don't tell you that until after the meeting. And so, you know, you never know how, how quickly these, this stuff can go, but um, at least there's some progress being made. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem like, though, based off of what we are seeing, we probably shouldn't expect any major changes to really happen. Oh, no. I mean, it, it's, it seems like we're, we're talking little things, really, at this point, uh, mainly, like you mentioned, paying people before they hit free agency. So now it's really just a matter of, okay, well, how much, you know, how much is that going to be? It seems like you know they're you know they kind of seem set on this idea of like a top 30 players by war get this bonus pool um which then i mean are you using baseball reference war are you using fan graphs war and that i don't know i guess you're using fan graphs war i think is what they originally were talking about but um yeah that's an interesting concept like paying people by war um and it seems like the, the owners, their, their proposal was laughable. It was like a $10 million bonus split between 30 people. It's like, yeah. that's not, it's not very much. <laughs> yeah. um, the players were like, that's not, that's not going to do it. So it seems like we'll probably find something there, like a bonus pool for those top players who aren't free agents yet. But like, if you're, if you're sitting around hoping that, you know, you're getting a salary cap and a salary floor, don't, uh, don't hold your breath on those things. It seems. 
Can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, like, what are your thoughts, too? I thought, like you said, laughable. The players, I think, wanted 100 million. MLB was like, no, we'll give you 10. And then MLB said, you know, because like you said, like, they want the younger players to get paid earlier. And always said, all right, cool. Well, you know, we'll give you 615,000. After like the minimum's already what five seventy? Is it five sixty five? Five seventy five? I forget. Yeah, yeah. So like, is MLB? Are they really, really trying here on their side? Like, I guess, what's your take on this? Do they so, feel like so, they have MLBPA by the balls, basically? I think in general, like, I think what you can kind of like the only thing that you can really glean from from at least the preliminary talks is like what they are conceding on what they're not like the 10 million, you know, bonus pool to players that aren't free agents yet or whatever. Like, like, well, th- you can look at that and be like, well, they're 120 million. Cause I think the play- the players was 130 million pool. Okay. So you can look at that and say like, Oh, they're $120 million off from each other. But it's also like, mm-hmm. okay, the owners conceded to that point of like, yeah, we could be, we could be game for this. And then, but like, I think the numbers can come together pretty quickly. I think it's the general ideas that people are, aren't willing to budge on. That's like really the sticking points, which is why like revenue sharing is a big deal. Um, still because like the owners were like, Oh no, that's, that's a non-starter. Whereas the players like tried to concede a little bit on revenue sharing without giving it up completely. So like, you know, to me, like those are the things that I'm looking at more, not necessarily like, cause the numbers can, you would think could come together like more quickly than, than the actual ideas themselves. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Cause you know, once you're open to an idea, then it's just a matter of trying to figure out what works best. Um, yeah. Any, any other, anybody else got any questions else about those EBA stuff? Uh, can, can we just quick mention, is it Manfort? The Manfort's the owner of the Rockies. Yeah. Oh, I saw that today, <laughs> dude. Where he oh, said he yeah. what I miss? And and Donardo loves bashing the Rockies. So <laughs> like dude. So so yesterday, he was in the first round of meetings or whatever where the MLBPA made their proposal, and he was saying like owners simply can't afford this. And then today he was not invited back to the meetings, and there was like I think Ethan. <laughs> was retweeting this but but there's some lawyer on twitter who was saying that like uh if if you concede in bargaining that like you can't afford something now that opens up the mlbpa to ask for your entire finances (laughs) and so like manford may have just gone in and just completely like like we'll see like i don't know like that, that may just be like a little bit uh dramatic but at the same time it's pretty clear that they like let Manford in and then one day into it, we're like, yo, like <laughs> we got to get this guy out of here. <laughs> and he's like the chair of the selected ownership group. By yeah. Manford, isn't he? Like of the seven owners he selected to be on whatever the committee is. He's yeah. Like the chair of it. At, at the very least, the representative at the table. Yeah. Well, I remember that someone crazy. said, yeah. And, and it's like all you you've got this owner and he's saying we can't even afford to own the teams anymore <laughs> and and it's like well then why aren't you selling it like why do you still own why do you still own the rockies if it's that much of a burden to you why do you still own the team well I mean, it's what happens when you don't have a gm a analytics department uh, <laughs> anything there yeah rockies it's it does cool. seem 
it does that's really seem like it's awesome to own a team. It does seem like we're at a point agree. as fans yeah. that everyone should be on board that we're not going to see anything as fans that changes. Like you're not going to yeah. see changes in the game, really. Well, it seems it's it seems like the universal DH uh, yeah. is coming for sure, and it seems like uh, expanded playoffs is is definitely a thing because I think the I think the players were like conceded that they're okay with a 12 team playoff, but not 14 or it, it was something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems like there'll be expanded playoffs, which I personally don't like. I don't know how you guys feel, but love it. <sighs> don't listen. I'm to like these in between. They're going to complain. No, no, no. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in between. That aren't going to try now. And everyone's going to be stuck in mediocrity. I don't care. The parts are already mediocre. Give me some quality, like watchable baseball in August. There. Yeah, Jim can talk about this. I'm in the middle of them both. So I think the whole thing that the baseball baseball's big problem right now is that there's not, there's not too much of an incentive to win. And, you know, don't how care. do you fix that? How do you fix teams actually wanting to win how do you fix me watching in august put them in a playoff hunt the way that you fix you watching in august is that your team that you you're watching wants to win that's how you fix it nope um just by getting to the playoffs so by 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 just expanding the playoffs you're not really fixing that root issue you're just making you're just expanding the guest list right uh, you're not actually making teams want to win. You're actually maybe even incentivizing teams to try even less because it's like, hey, with 14 teams, we don't really have to try at all now. We'll probably just make it every once in a while just by sheer happenstance. Um, why even try? They're not trying now. That's what I mean. So what what can you do to make teams try to win? This uh, isn't one of And it's things. an improvement because if the Pirates are shooting for mediocrity, they haven't been doing that for a while. I'll the pirates take aren't even shooting for mediocrity. The pirates are shooting to be the exactly. worst. Exactly. If we get it, yeah, but if we get a bigger playoff bracket, I'll take a shooting for mediocrity. If Hugh Hefner expands his but they're guest not even list doing to that. include me, I'm not going to complain. I'm going. If there's 14 teams <laughs> in next year's playoffs, the pirates are not going to be competing for one of those. Okay, but spots. the following year they might be, and they might be shooting for Wade Miley in the off season off DFA and. We won't no, have to. Hear why would they do that? They're not going to give Wade Miley money. There's no point. Sure, there is. They could be shooting for mediocrity. No, they'll be the mediocre just with their young players that they have bringing up through the system. They don't have to actually Sweet. try. Sweet, I can watch the team in August for once. Be mediocre. That's fun. Uh, are we shooting for some, or are we shooting for a first overall draft pick? I'll take the playoffs. I, I think. To, I think to me, even beyond like just the like competitive balance part, is it's like what's the point? Like, what's the point of having a 162 game season if there's 14 teams in the play? Like, you, might as well, you might as well not find, not have that. Like, have 80, what, 81 or whatever, mm-hmm. and let that yeah. roll. Like, it, like, because because there is no point of like getting a larger sample size when it just means that the Dodgers stop playing all their starters in early in early August or whatever. Right. <laughs> That's look. We're talking about adding one playoff team per league. We're talking about adding two. Yeah. Now, per league. We now we have ten. Yeah. Yeah. So one. So we're league. adding 
14. Well, if two more, we're, we're talking about MLB 12. wants is 14. MLB wants 14. Yeah, so we well, just added one more. We just so? if, if they go to 12, they're going to go to 14 in a few years. It's Sweet. just going to happen. Sweet. And then let's cut the games down to seven innings too, because I don't need to watch middle relievers either. And so really, you Mike just King, want, Mike King did, well, uh, and we're gonna have another all, CBA all issue. Then, so all you're saying now is play less games, play Make less innings. Game. So you just don't even want to watch baseball. We're just gonna have uh, round robin playoffs. Let's the way the Pirates are currently constructed. No, I don't. Let's make this so that we can watch less of it. Is what you're saying? Tyler doesn't even like baseball. He hates. (laughs) I spend my entire life around baseball. It's basically the Little League World Series, but just with adults. That's what Tyler wants. No, I'm just saying. If we're gonna have starting pitchers go five innings, we might as well just make game seven innings. Call it a day. Get out of here in two hours. Mike can go home early and wrap up his article. That I'm okay with. Now, what they <laughs> only should the last do, part. Only the last part. What they should do, and what I really like what they did last year, is keep these like 6.30, 6.40 weekday start times. That's what they need to do. I can Dude, do that, that too. Yeah. That was so great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm off. Really, I, I just don't want to watch until 10.30 or 11. How about how about how, how about pitch clocks even shorter, like five second pitch clocks? You got you got to hustle. So I I'm like okay the idea that. of pitch clocks, and it works through it works in the minor leagues, and all yeah, the pitchers in the major leagues now have already been doing it their entire minor league career. So it wouldn't even be an adjustment for the majority of these guys. Uh, I I don't understand why that's not just an automatic go to a pitch clock. Uh, just adopt what they've been doing in the minors because. It works like the game's quicker in the minor leagues um, and it doesn't affect like it's not like as a viewer, you're like, this is bad. Like it, no one ever, it's, no one ever doesn't get the pitch off in time. Like it all works. It's yeah, it is also like mm-hmm. uh, it, it definitely does work, at least in Altoona when I was and I was in Altoona quite a bit last year. Like I think I saw like two or three like balls or strikes called because of the pitch clock. Because and and I don't even know if people like generally know that, but if like the umpire can deem that it was the batter's fault that the pitch clock went off, and then it's a a strike as opposed mm-hmm. to a ball, which yeah. is hilarious. But however, I don't know how a robot umpire does that. How can how can a robot umpire discern who's at fault? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's my my question here too. That coming to AAA, I mean, we've seen Swagger to be vocal about it. Um, have you heard from any? Any minor league players, any AAA, since you yeah. could potentially talk to them, uh, their thoughts on that? Well, I've, I haven't heard from AAA guys who who uh, who are worried about it coming to them or whatever. But I actually did a whole story last year on like the guys. Uh, I talked to I think Eli Wilson was in uh, Bradenton for a while and talked to me about like what it was like catching a, for a robot umpire, and he was saying that like it's a little strange because like the strike zone really isn't like, it's just not quite the strike zone. Uh, like they have to do some refining of like the shape of it because with a full rectangle or whatever, like it'll cross like a, you know, breaking ball will cross the bottom of the strike zone and like bounce in the dirt. And it's a strike. And, And like anyone who's ever watched baseball will be like, well, that wasn't a strike but it technically like crossed the plate in the strike zone or whatever. Like there were still 
and that's not to say that happens all the time, but there are still some issues with that. Um, so like, you know, there's that side of it, but I, I assume that as they bring it up, they're going to further refine it and like, you know, figure out some of the kinks in the system and then whatever. Um, but you know, I think in general, from the people who have experienced it, it's like, well, it's part of life. Like it is what it is. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world. It is strange, but whatever. So I used to be like pro strike zone, like pro robot ump strike zone. And I've since, since switched my thinking. I, I don't like it. Um, and, and my whole reasoning is because, you know, you, you're now taking away a valuable skill that catchers have and you're, you're just deeming it. You're a Henry not Davis even, thing. Yeah. So. I hope he gets better You're taking at that, right? away a position from him. No, not. whatever. Well, what I'm saying though, is like, it, it basically makes the catcher position really, all you got to do now is you got to be able to pop and throw <laughs> like the rest of it. Yeah. You, you can just, you could just put somebody back there, have him kneel down on both of his knees, just catch the ball, get his signs from the dugout. And as long as he, can throw every once in a while when there's a run around base. Like that's all you need. Yeah. And I, I actually talked to, to uh, the dearly departed Jacob Stallings uh, about, about mm-hmm. this too, Yeah, because he was like, he worked so hard on his frame. Like that's why he's a good catcher is because he's so good at frame and he worked crazy hard on it because he wasn't originally good at it. Realized that was like where the game was going worked super hard on it and became like the best defensive catcher in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was basically saying like, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but like you got to adapt to reality or whatever. Um, but you know, while, while he's going to be like workmanlike about it at the same time, like I think people who are running the game or who are on the outside can say like, man, boy, like that really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that, that sucks for those guys who like worked so hard at this stuff. And I, I guess, you know, like that'll, that'll, you know, if, if they do make the change, it'll, it'll change over to where like, okay, now guys are like catchers are, are only worrying about like the next inefficiency and whether that's popping and throwing or whatever. Um, but you know, it, it is, it is very like, it's just so strange to just like suddenly implement this. Like you might see guys who are like, oh yeah, like they don't have value anymore. Like, sorry. Well, I mean, you take somebody like JT Real Muto, and like the Phillies just gave him a ton of money. And a big reason for that is because of his framing ability, right? Mm-hmm. And so now if you take that entire part out of his game, like JT Real Muto is still a good hitter, right? But is JT Real Muto a good enough hitter to justify, you know, huge, huge money, right? Um, so I, I, I kind of think you're now going to see a shift where, hey, let's just like – does the catcher almost become a second designated hitter spot? Mm-hmm. And you can just put somebody back there who can mash and just be like, Hey, we just need you to throw and catch every, like just be able to catch a ball and be able to throw. That's all we really need you to do. And just like, if a ball's in the dirt, just please don't let it go to the backstop. <laughs> like, but like how much catching skill do you really need at this point? All right. So hear me out. This is actually a backdoor way of, baseball ruining itself more there will be even less offense because when there's no one on base they'll just put nine fielders in the in the outfield or whatever 
and so no one will ever get on base except for home runs and that'll be it or walks. And that's, that's it. Do you so know we... actually, so there is a rule in the major league baseball that's rule right. book that someone has to be positioned behind home plate. Cause I looked into that. That was an idea I had once. <laughs> I say we uh, brought I, that up. I thought with four <laughs> that idea. Um, I, I hate, I hate being outclassed. <laughs> no, I, no, so I thought of that. I was like, wait a minute. If there's an automatic strike zone, if there's, if, if there's less than two strikes or if there's no one on base, why even have somebody back there? Cause like you said, it would make, it would be more efficient to have that catcher move somewhere in the field and then move them back there when there's two strikes or when there's somebody on base. But yeah, it turns out that's, you can't do that. <laughs> so, so suddenly Williams Estudio is the most valuable player in baseball. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So like, does like, does this make Kyle Schwarber a lot more valuable, right? Somebody who like he can catch, but he's not really that good of a catcher. Or Dave Nash. Right. So like, does Kyle Schwarber become a much more valuable player in an automated right. strike zone world? Whereas before it was like, well, he really can't catch. He's really not that good in the field either. He can just hit a little bit. But now you're now you're talking about somebody who kind of he knows the basics of catching. Like he can do it. Um, but that's not really what he's known for. Yeah. So kind of no, gives him a home. I, yeah. I, I agree with it completely. Yeah. Yeah. Like like I mean, it was slightly in jest, and obviously it's not the perfect example, but like we talk about Josh Bell, like having like your worst defender, like he couldn't play first base. Now obviously he couldn't really throw. So again, it's not the perfect example, but it's like if he can just go behind the plate, then like that takes away a liability at first base. You have that bat in there and, and right. And now you have like two DHs. So, but I'm with you too. I, I definitely am not in for the, uh, the robot umps because I, I I'm with you. Like that's a craft. Like you talk about, you hear these crafty players, you know, like you learn that skill, like Jacob Stallings is crafty. He worked on that. He earned that. I don't want to see that go away. Don't care. Anything that makes Yadier Molina <laughs> obsolete and loses Angel Hernandez a job I'm in for. <laughs> oh, Hernandez is gone now, right? No, uh, he's no. still there. This isn't his last last year? No, I think country, it was Country there. Joe's last year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Joe, yeah. West. Joe West is gone, but Angel's still there. But this will make Yadier so obsolete. He will be begging for a job. Yadier will be retired. Well, well I'm just will he? <laughs> we don't know. Cardinals if might give him another $10 million deal. If he can't schmooze up to the behind the plate umpire to get a bunch of strike calls, he's worthless. Speaking of pine tar on the chest plate. Exactly. Cheaters. Cheater. Yeah, Cheaters. Cheater. They can't get in the hall. <laughs> actually every cardinal is a cheater because they like hacked the astros computer system that one time actually yeah what about that <laughs> so every cardinal in, in, ineligible in, in 10 in 10 years in 10 years i got you or in eight years i got you guys when yachty's on the ballot mm -hmm. no <laughs> and just attach the picture of him like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> nope he cheated oh my god well, I guess I mean we talked about AAA. Should we talk a little bit about the Pirates yeah, farm system? Baseball America came out last week. Some updated rankings. We didn't really talk too much about them last week. We had uh, a little bit. We had 
Dan on. We're talking more zips. But figure out this week, maybe we'll talk a little about them. So, I don't know, Mr. Beat Writer, do you have any critiques on the players that were released? Any surprises? All right. Can you can you please refresh me on exact rankings of like where the guys were? Do you have it pulled up? You that know, is I, Mike's way of saying I don't subscribe to Baseball America. <laughs> no, I actually do. Uh, Jason, Jason, and I have it have it pulled up, but, but I I can't remember exactly where all of them were ranked, other than like. I mean, obviously, the guys who, who like normally were. I've got it up here. So number one was O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, uh, two was Davis. Three was Gonzalez. Four was Contreras. Five Pagero. Six Priester. Seven. This is was this was the one I think that kind of caught a lot of our eyes. Seven was Andy Rodriguez. Eight Michael Burrows. Nine Jared Jones. Ten Carmen Majinski. Yeah, I th- I think my t- my I, I had two takeaways originally from it, and, and a was that um, I guess really just to pr- appreciate what how quickly Ronzi Contreras has risen. Like, um, I don't know, like you know, I I, I get why he's still not like higher in the top one hundred, um, but even just to to make an appearance there is pretty wild from where he started and what the pirates or i guess what general consensus was when the pirates traded for him um and then the other side of it was was andy rodriguez and i don't know it, it's weird because like uh you look at a guy and you're like well he's 23 years old and low a or whatever and you adjust your expectations from that but then when like people who who really know what they're talking about in terms of scouting or whatever rank them and it's like well maybe you gotta start paying attention to this guy not that you know not that i was completely ignoring him or anything but um but i don't know like that that one that one stood out to me too what about like the jump of uh piguero so i mean everyone knows about obviously ronzi Contreras, right we have ronzi day Right, everyone's been well aware of Quinn Priester last year because of his COVID site work. Like no one actually saw, but yeah. like the hype he got, you know. Um, but it's Pagero that jumps over them. So as far as the top 100 rankings, Pagero slides in at 78, Contreras at 80, Priester at 88. Is there something like with Pagero that maybe we should get more hyped about? Well, he had a good end of the season. Like he, he kind of brought it along. Um, but with all these guys, like I tend to stray, like be hesitant with your like expectations until they actually do it in the majors. Like, Wait, I don't what? know. I, I, no, that's <laughs> not what we do. That, I, that's a, that's at least where like, I, I cause you it's just, just said so Nick Gonzalez is getting MVP this year. Come on, man. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's say that. Uh, but, but like, I mean, every guy you've ever talked to who's made the majors is like, yeah, the hardest jump is triple A to the majors. Hardest jump is triple A to the majors. Hardest jump is triple A to the majors. So, like, the farther down a guy, like, has a good performance, the less likely I'm inclined to believe that that's going to make him a major leaguer. And so, like, you know, I don't know. Piguero pretty much did what you wanted him to do at high A, um, especially at the end of the year. It seemed like he figured some things out, was starting to hit for more power, like, um had decent fielding stats, like, you know, all that, uh, like, he, and, and he's super young for, for, for that level. Um, and so like, there's that side of it, but at the same time, it's like, it's still high A and that's a huge hitters ballpark. Like everyone hits home runs there. So, 
you know, what, what are you really supposed to think? And I don't know, like the answer is, is really just that you, you won't know until they're actually there. Right. So yeah, what do you think the, about the, go ahead. I was going to say, looking at, looking at the top 100 list, Pagero actually slid into 78th on the top 100 list. So he made it, made a nice jump. Um, like you mentioned and, yeah, I, I think that's my thing too. Is just you know when I when I saw Pagero this past year, you could you could definitely tell that like there was some talent there, especially like on the defensive side of the ball. Like he, it seemed yeah. like you know he 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 knows what he's doing there. Um, I didn't really see him hit that well in the games that I saw, but you know by all accounts, you know seemed to to, to hold up well for his age at that level. Um, but no, I, I, it was nice to see the jump because he was a guy going into last year that we all wanted to see because, you know, we missed the COVID year you know, and, and, you know, then all of a sudden he started showing up on, you know, maybe he's like a fringe top 100 guy. He got into the top 100 last year and now he's, you know, inching his way up. So it, it will be interesting to see that jump to double A um, because I think that's when, I think that's when you can really kind of start getting serious. Like you, like you mentioned, like a ball is a ball. Double A's cl- at least closer to the majors. Uh, it's still not the majors, but once you get into Double A, then we can kind of talk. We can kind of start talking a little bit more serious about these guys on whether or not you know they they may turn into what you're hoping for. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it, you know, especially like with I don't know. You see it all the time with guys who struggle, like even. It, Carter Bins, you know, how much you value him or not, but he, that's a good example of a guy who was like hitting well at high, a, came to double A and was not hitting very well. Like it, it is, a, it's, it's not easy for these guys. And at any point, like, you know, it's normal for a guy to come to a new level and struggle for a little bit and then figure it out too. But at any point they could just not figure it out. Right. Like, like that could happen at, at any point where you just reach a, the next level of talent and it's like, well, that, they're, they're actually not good enough. So, and, and, you know, honestly, all of this is to say, like, this sounds really negative about Piguero because the question was about Piguero. That's not really my, like Piguero, you know, he, he seems to have decent tools for, especially for his age, especially at that level. Like um, I'm willing to give him more patience than, than some other guys even, but like, um, I don't know. I, it, 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 it's just really hard to prospect watch and, and truly project things when all you have is rankings, you know? So what do you think about the, I guess, rise and fall of Quinn Priester? Because last year we just saw him rise up every single prospect chart without really seeing anything from him. This year he, he didn't have a bad year, but he's not where he was. Yeah. I think it, I think it is just sort of like, um, I don't know, lack of dominance at that level in certain starts. Like he did have some bad starts, but but it is kind of strange to me too because like, there were a few starts where he was so good, like just, just by numbers. And obviously I wasn't there like watching him, but like there were a few starts, especially towards the end of the year where he was just really, really good. So I don't know, maybe some of that is um, like other guys in other organizations rising up or whatever. But um, it, that was a little strange to me because it didn't seem like he had the type of year where you would be, you would have your opinion like swayed negatively towards him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think just to kind of go along with that. I think it was more of just like a correction, you know. Like, I, I think he had got, he got so much hype during the like the the COVID summer league and all that. 
Um, and, and no one really saw him, but everybody just told everybody that he just looked unbelievable. Right. And so they were like, okay, well, everybody's saying he looks unreal. So he got this huge jump and then he was, he was good. <laughs> like it, He was, he was really good. Um, outside just a couple starts, he was a really good pitcher. Uh, and he didn't do anything to make you think otherwise for the most part. I know when I, I saw him in one start and it, he looked amazing. <laughs> like it was, it might've been his best start of the year, but he just, everything was working for him. His curveball was just absolutely unhittable. Like no one could touch it. Um, and he just was mowing hitters down. Uh, and he looked like he, he just, he, he looked like he belonged in double A at that point. It's like, what's he even doing with these guys? Um, but then, you know, he did struggle in a few starts, but I, I think there's not really much to be concerned about with him. Um, you know, let's see him in double A, see how he performs there. The stuff is all legit. Like I, I, the fastball, the curveball, the slider, it's all there. He's got the stuff. It's just now a matter of like, can he command it good enough to do it at the major league level? Right. Um, so we'll, we'll just kind of see how that progresses. I do wonder in general too. Sorry. Yeah. I do. I do wonder in general how, like how, um, I mean, I get that the people who like do these rankings, like they're, they're going to go scout wherever they can. And, and, you know, if it's an instructional league during COVID year, like whatever, but I wonder how much like in general, those things were overvalued just because it was the only thing you could go see at the time. Um, when, you know, you could also believe that like guys went in there and were not their same selves or like, you know, maybe Quinn Priester just like had better facilities than everyone else during COVID mm-hmm. or something like that. And I'm not saying that that is or isn't true, but, um, I wonder in general if like, you know, maybe, maybe guys got a little too excited or too down on guys during that like instructional league or whatever. Yeah. Um, so last year, obviously we, they made their debuts, right? Ronan Z Contreras and O'Neill Cruz. They made their debuts. So they know they've reached PNC park, but they're probably going to be a mainstay at some point in time this year as well. My question to you is of the two, which one of them beats you up first? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, O'Neill because you can reach further than Ronzi. They're both running at me at the same time, but O'Neill has a reach, so he gets to me first. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so, so O'Neill Cruz has been pretty. I, I don't want to say controversial. Um, maybe it's been a small group that's made it that way. But you know, obviously, he's been the number fourteen prospect of baseball right now with his ranking. You know, big hype with him. Um, we know the tools that are there, but we know there's a lot of with no pun intended, swing and miss to his game, right? So I guess my thing is, what's your take? What's your perspective on O'Neill Cruz going into this season? Like what can maybe the Pirate fans expect out of him once he hits PNC for good? I think that the hitting is just like, the, the question is just going to be once he gets to the majors, can he hit like consistently? Because like, you know, the, the, the power, I mean, we saw it even in his whatever two games, like the, the ball he hit out of BNC park is, was insane. Like there are not many people who could hit that ball that far um, with the type of swing he swung with. So like the hitting for power part, I think will always be there just like naturally gifted. Like the question is just like, once he faces major league pitching, can he, hit for average and get on base not you know i I don't know batting average is whatever but but you know what i'm saying like get on base more consistently and see balls better because even during that 
three game stretch, it seemed like there were times when he was really caught off guard by, by the way that people were attacking him and whatever and swinging pitches that he shouldn't have and um, was fooled on certain things. So that's maybe something like even what I was talking about earlier where you won't know until he gets to majors. But the power is definitely going to be there. And then on the defensive side, like uh, I I feel pretty confident he can be a shortstop. I, I don't know if we've – we might have talked about this last time I was on. Uh, but I, I – the the scouts and the people that I've talked to, I've never talked to anyone who's like he needs to move, like in the game. I mean, um, in fact, scouts from other teams that watch him have been the most like effusive in their praise of his like ability to play shortstop, which tells me something. Um, and you know, from the games, like I won't pretend to know as much as a scout, but from the games that I've seen, like it's you know, it's the throwing that he needs to. Like that's going to be what what tells you whether he is or is not a shortstop. If you can figure that out, then great. But he he can do everything at the shortstop position, like physically in terms of range and all that. It's just a matter of kind of harnessing it. I think. Seems like at the plate, there's a lot of uh, early Javier Baez. Yeah, that actually might be a decent like example. Obviously, probably with more power, <laughs> I would assume. Uh, Baez could hit the shit out of a ball. He really could. Yeah. I, but, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's like generally fair. Um, and I don't know, I stink at projections just because projections, just because of what I was talking earlier, like I'm always low on a guy until they show me that, that, that that's not the case anymore. So. Well, our last guest, his computer told us that O'Neill Cruz is going to be a Hall of Famer. I'm not a computer, so give it to him. <laughs> His and, computer and also said on the low side that he would be a complete bust. Jim, right. Jim remember <laughs> that in, in eight years, I'll be qualified to tell you whether or not that's true, but not yeah, until eight years from now. That's true. That's true. Well, I was going to bring it up too. So now go eight years from now, right? When you're banning Yadi Molina from making the Hall of Fame, just for mm-hmm. us, right? Um, pretend at the same time that Nick Gonzalez, O'Neill Cruz, and Baguero are major leaguers. Which one of those three? Because I'll be this because you said like everyone's praising your right? O'Neill Cruz's you know defense on shortstop. I'm not praising it, but they see him sitting there, and that's been like the guy yeah. who's moving off in Pittsburgh. They all talking about. So I guess who are you maybe theoretically feeling that's going to move off a middle infield of those three? All that being said, it's probably still O'Neill Cruz, right? <laughs> really? Because like yeah, because while while that's being said, like to me, like defense still isn't really his strong point. Right. And, and whereas like, I think with Pagaro, it probably is, you know, just projecting like you would think that, that, that speed and, and, and defense would be his thing. And so then if that's the case and then you like a front office would probably tell you that it's smarter to move O'Neill Cruz somewhere else. So I don't know, but it would also depend on like, you know, that, I mean, we, no one's really seen him in the outfield. Um, mm-hmm. so like once they actually get a look, like if he can do that, then fine. Cause like the other side of it too, is that Pagaro's probably more projectable to another position that isn't first base. Um, just cause you could say, well, he's good here. He can be, he can be good anywhere. Whereas O'Neill Cruz is large enough that like, I don't know, maybe, maybe he's not good fielding fly balls or something like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but, but at the same time, like I think O'Neill Cruz would probably be most likely in that scenario, but I don't know. 
Carter, you did not mention Diego Castillo. I did not notice that. Starting shortstop. I noticed that. I noticed you didn't mention him. Or Marcano. Yeah, what about Marcano? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What about Marcano, Marcano? (laughs) I haven't seen him. I don't know. Sorry. I have a general rule that you can't play a position that you couldn't hit a ball in the air to. So that takes any outfield position out of the question for Marcano. <laughs> so is he the catcher? <laughs> because <laughs> that might take him out some other positions as well. I mean, in, the swinging butt, butt doesn't count, right? In 15 years, when we move to uh, the machine pitch era of baseball, uh, yeah. he can slide in there. Right. He can, he can be the, the guy standing next to the machine. <laughs> Might be an umpire by then. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just got this vision now. I'm like T-ball and the kids standing next to the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> coach, coach pitch Major League Baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, God. Jim's favorite player. God. What just gets me is like he cleared, like he was like targeting this guy. Like he's, he I wanted love him. riling him up on this. God. He wanted him so bad and he's just trash. He's awful. I'm sorry. Like he's, he's not a major leaguer by any means. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but he just, he, he doesn't seem like he can hit the ball. At you all. might be wrong, Jim. I hope I'm wrong. He is also I, – I will say that he's also so young. He is. That's true. He is. Yeah, but he couldn't hit a ball at 18 years old. I don't think he's going to hit one at 23. You don't realize that the that the human brain is not fully developed until 25. You can't judge a prospect until he hits 25. I can judge the fact if you can get on base aside from an infield single. Yeah, but when you your highlight package is a bunch of bunt singles, <laughs> I was loving that. Like, regardless, uh, I I I promise I'm not giving a, a, an opinion on Marcano. I haven't seen him. I don't know. Like, he is still young. I think he still still could be good. A lot of people value him. Uh, regardless of all that, the highlight packages of the swinging bunt, like bouncing <laughs> over the pitcher, were pretty awesome. Which like honestly high- just goes to like like. Yeah. This is the Pirates right now, man. Like, you know, it's it sucks. I feel bad for fans, like, that this is kind of what you're resorting to. I feel bad for you that you went to journalism school to write about baseball and you ended up covering the Pirates. Of all hey, teams. buddy. Hey, buddy. Michigan doesn't have a journalism school, baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I did this by choice, baby. <laughs> Fair. Oh, that God. would explain why no, you're... That's a- it's a fun Doing team. The same to cover. job as There's else. a lot of crazy stuff that happens. That's true. Yeah. And the not, fact not, that they're even our fans, I mean, that's honestly yeah. it's incredible at this point. I also enjoy that, right here. I also enjoy that the group of fans that follow me are like like it, it's it's a small enough group still that like you know, they're people that I've received replies from for two years now or whatever, where like you know, it, it, there's no one where I like say something, and uh, I'm not big enough where I say something, and like a bunch of people from like Blau Knox jump down my throat about like how Key Brian Hayes doesn't hustle enough or something. Like I can still have fun on Twitter talking to Pirates fans, so I appreciate that. So Michigan really doesn't have a journalism school. 
No. What a shithole college. <laughs> Tyler, did you go to Ohio State? Sure didn't. <laughs> I didn't think so. <clears throat> I'm a Youngstown State Penguin. That's basically Ohio State, so. Pretty right. much. That's I Jim Trestle. I think, I think pretty much every one of those. You signed my paychecks. Little, little shitty schools in Ohio are basically, they're all Ohio State. It's it's a, it's the same in Michigan. Like if yeah. I mean it's either Michigan or Michigan State, but it's the same way. Like it's the same way everywhere. I'm sure it's just mostly the same in Pennsylvania, right? Where everyone's pretty much Penn State, even if they go to like, you know, whatever. I I know that there's Slippery the pit, rock. I know that there's the pit sector of it in the on the west side, but I think in general, like it's it's kind of the same way. Mike, you know the best part about Youngstown State is that you have so many surrounding high schools that send their kids to Kentucky to play football mm. and they just beat the shit out of Louisville every year. It's not every year. It's just like the last couple. <laughs> okay. Can we, can we, uh, this, this, uh, this is just a fun fact about Kentucky. Did you know that Mark Stoops contract adds a year onto his deal every time he wins seven games and adds two years onto his deal every time he wins 10 games. <laughs> That's the, the best most, contract. Whenever, whenever anyone asks me like what, what school you'd want to coach for more than any other, I always say Kentucky. That's the best job security in the world. Like as long as you can put a watchable product on the field, everyone's happy. There was at one point, at one point in his tenure, he had more contract extensions signed than he had SEC wins, conference <laughs> wins. That's awesome. <laughs> like I think at one point he had like two conference wins, but he had already signed like three extensions. That's the best. My favorite was whenever Kentucky lined up a wide receiver, a quarterback, and just beat the shit out of Louisville. What's that guy doing now, Lynn Bowden? He's in with the Dolphins. Miami. I think he got oh. hurt. Yeah, he got hurt. He, 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 he got, got drafted by the Raiders, and they cut him because he sucks. He, no, he got and traded. Then, then he went to the Dolphins. He, he got in a little bit of trouble, too. Oh, Jim, okay. I had, uh, I had uh, Malik Cunningham on my fantasy college football team this year. I'm sure absolute he did monster. Well. Yeah. Absolute oh, monster. Yeah. I drafted I drafted Spencer Rattler first overall and then just obviously dropped obviously dropped him for Malik Cunningham the rest of the year. It was great. No, Malik killed it. He and he's coming back. It's gonna be like a, he's gonna be like an eighth year senior next year. Perfect. Yeah. It's just fun to watch Young Sound beat Louisville into the ground. With Mark Stoops and whoever their offensive line coach is or whatever his name is. It's also from Youngstown. Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. I... <laughs> you got more to say, Tyler? No, I know Mike has some plans tonight. That <laughs> <laughs> is true. Well, then we'll let you go, Mike. But as always, really appreciate you coming on. Um... Maybe we'll talk to you during the season. Yeah. Seriously, it's always fun, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Be sure to check out Duquesne basketball. They lost. That's it. right. Because <laughs> you were there. Get that article up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Soccer Scouts. See ya. <laughs>